Section four, volume three of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, volume three, section four. When it was the one hundred and thirty-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Taj al-Muluk wept, the old woman said to him, Be of good cheer, and cool eyes and clear, for needs must I bring thee to thy wish. Then she rose and left him on coals of fire, and returned to Princess Dunya, whom she found still showing on her changed face rage at Taj al-Muluk's letter. She gave her his second letter, whereat her wrath redoubled, and she said, Did I not say he would desire us the more? replied the old woman. What thing is this dog that he should aspire to thee? Quoth the princess, Go back to him and tell him that, if he write me after this, I will cut off his head. Quoth the nurse, Write these words in a letter, and I will take it to him, so that his fear may be the greater. She took a sheet of paper and wrote thereon these couplets. Ho thou, whose past and bygone wrists regardest with uncare, Thou who to win thy meeting prize dost over slowly fare. In pride of spirit thinkest thou to win the star of Soa? Albe thou not reach the moon which shines through upper air. How darest thou expect to win my favors? Hope to clip upon a lover's burning breast my lance like shape and rare. Leave this thy purpose, lest my wrath come down on thee some day. A day of wrath shall hoary turn the partings of thy hair. Then she folded the letter, and gave it to the old woman, who took it and repaired to Taj al-Mulut. When he saw her, he rose to his feet and exclaimed, May Allah never bereave me of the blessing of thy coming. Quoth she, Take the answer to thy letter. He took it, and reading it, wept with sore weeping, and said, I long for someone to slay me at this moment, and send me to my rest, for indeed death were easier to me than this my state. Then he took ink-case, and pen and paper, and wrote a letter containing these two couplets. O hope of me, pursue me not with rigor and disdain. Dine thou to visit lover white, and love of thee is drowned. Deem not a life so deeply wronged, I longer will endure. My soul for severance from my friend divorce is frame unsound. Lastly, he folded the letter and handed it to the old woman, saying, Be not angry with me, though I have wearied thee to no purpose and he bade Aziz give her the other thousand ducats, saying, O oh my mother, needs must this letter result in perfect union or utter severance. Replied she, O oh my son, by Allah I desire not but thy weal, and it is my object that she be thine, for indeed thou art the shining moon, and she the rising sun. If I do not bring you together, there is no profit in my existence, and I have lived my life till I have reached the age of ninety years in the practice of wile and intrigue, so how should I fail to unite two lovers, though in defiance of right and law? Then she took leave of him, having comforted his heart, and ceased not walking till she went to the Lady Dunya. Now she had hidden the letter in her hair, so when she sat down by the princess she rubbed her head and said, O oh, my lady, maybe thou wilt untwist my hair not? For it is a time since I went to the hammam. The king's daughter bared her arms to the elbows, and, letting down the old woman's locks, began to loose the knot of back hair, when out dropped the letter, and the Lady Dunya, seeing it, asked, What is this paper? 
quoth the nurse. As I sat in the merchant's shop, this paper must have stuck to me. Give it to me that I may return it to him. Possibly it containeth some account whereof he hath need. But the princess opened it and read it, and, when she understood it, she cried out, This is one of thy manifold tricks, and hast thou not reared me, I would lay violent hands on thee this moment. Verily Allah hath inflicted me with this merchant, but all that hath befallen me with him is on thy head. I know not from what country this one can have come. No man but he would venture to affront with me thus. And I fear lest this my case get abroad, more by token as it concerneth one who is neither my kin nor of my peers. Rejoined the old woman, None would dare speak of this for fear of thy wrath and for awe of thy sire. So there can be no harm in sending him an answer. Quoth the princess, O my nurse, Verily this one is a perfect Satan. How durst he use such language to me and not dread the Sultan's rage? Indeed, I am perplexed about his case. If I ordered him to be put to death, it were unjust. And if I leave him alive, his boldness will increase. Quoth the old woman. Come, write him a letter. It may be he will desist in dread. So she called for paper and ink-case and pen and wrote these couplets. Thy folly drives thee on, the long I chid. Writing in verse, how long shall I forbid? For all forbiddal thou persistest more, And my sole grace it is to keep it hid. Then hide thy love, nor ever dare reveal, For in thou speak of thee I'll soon be rid. If to thy silly speech thou turn anew, Raven shall croak for thee the wold amid, And death shall come and beat thee down ere long, Put out of sight and bury neath an earthen lid. Thy folk, fond fool, thou'lt leave for thee to mourn, And through their lives to sorrow all forlorn. Then she folded the letter, and committed it to the old woman, Who took it, and returning to Taj al-Muluk, gave it to him. When he read it, he knew that the princess was hard-hearted, And that he should not win access to her, So he complained of his case to the wazir, and besought his counsel. Quoth the minister, Know thou that naught will profit thee save that thou write to her and invoke the retribution of heaven upon her. And quoth the prince, O my brother, O Aziz, do thou write to her as if my tongue spake, according to thy knowledge? So Aziz took a paper and wrote these couplets. By the five shakes, O Lord, I pray deliver me. Let her for whom I suffer bear like misery. Thou knowest how I fry in flaming low of love. While she I love hath not a ruth or clemency. How long shall I, despite my pain, her feelings spare? How long shall she wreck tyranny, o'er weakling me? In pains of never-ceasing death I grieve. O Lord, thine aid, none other helping hand I see. How fain would I forget her, and forget her love. But how forget, when love jarred patience death to dree? O thou who hinderest love to joy fair meeting tide, Say, Art thou safe from time and fortune's jealousy? Art thou not glad and blessed with happy life? While I, from folk and country, for thy love am doomed to flee? Then Aziz folded the letter and gave it to Taj al-Muluk, who read it and was pleased with it. So he handed it to the old woman, who took it and went in with it to Princess Dunya. But when she read it and mastered the meaning thereof, she was enraged with great rage and said, all that hath befallen me cometh by means of this ill-omened old woman. Then she cried out to the damsels and eunuchs, saying, Seize this old hag, this accursed trictress, and beat her with your slippers. 
so they came down upon her till she swooned away, and when she came to herself the princess said to her, By the Lord, old wicked woman, did I not fear Almighty Allah, I would slay thee. Then quoth she to them, Beat her again, and they did so till she fainted a second time, whereupon she bade them drag her forth and throw her outside the palace door. So they dragged her along her face and threw her down before the gate. But as soon as she revived, she got up from the ground, and, walking and sitting by turns, made her way home. There she passed the night till morning, when she arose and went to Taj al-Muluk and told them all that had occurred. He was distressed at this grievous news, and said, O my mother, hard indeed to us is that which hath befallen thee, but all things are according to fate and man's lot. Replied she, Be of good cheer, and keep thine eyes cool and clear, for I will not give over striving till I have brought thee and her together, and made thee enjoy this wanton who hath burned my skin with beating. Asked the prince, Tell me what caused her to hate men. And the old woman answered, It arose from what she saw in a dream. And what was this dream? Twas this. One night, as she lay asleep, she saw a fowler spread his net upon the ground and scatter wheat grain around it. Then he sat down hard, and not a bird in the neighborhood but flocked to his toils. Amongst the rest she beheld a pair of pigeons, male and female. And whilst she was watching the net, Behold, the male bird's foot caught in the meshes, and he began to struggle, whereupon all the other birds took fright and flew away. But presently his mate came back and hovered over him, then alighted on the toils unobserved by the fowler, and fell to pecking with her beak and pulling at the mesh in which the male bird's foot was tangled, till she released the toes and they flew away together. Then the fowler came up, mended his net, and seated himself afar off. After an hour or so the birds flew back and the female pigeon was caught in the net, whereupon all the other birds took fright and scurried away, and the male pigeon fled with the rest and did not return to his mate. But the fowler came up and took the female pigeon and cut her throat. The princess awoke, troubled by her dream, and said, All males are like this pigeon, worthless creatures, and men in general lack grace and goodness to women. When the old woman had ended her story, the prince said to her, O oh my mother, I desire to have one look at her, though it be my death. So do thou contrive me some contrivance for seeing her? She replied, Know that she hath under her palace windows a garden wherein she taketh her pleasure, and thither she resorteth once in every month by the private door. After ten days, the time of her thus going forth to divert herself will arrive. So when she is about to visit the garden, I will come and tell thee that thou mayst go thither and meet her. And look thou leave not the garden, for happily, and she see thy beauty and loveliness, her heart will be taken with love of thee, and love is the most potent means of union. He said, I hear and obey. Whereupon he and Aziz rose and left the shop, and, taking the old woman with them, showed her the palace where they lodged. Then said Taj al-Muluk to Aziz, O my brother, I have no need of the shop now, having fulfilled my purpose of it, so I give it to thee, with all that is left in it, for thou hast come abroad with me and hast left thy native land for my sake. Aziz accepted his gift, and then they sat conversing, while the prince questioned him of the strange adventures which had befallen him, and his companion acquainted him with the particulars thereof. Presently they went to the wazir, and, reporting to him Taj al-Muluk's purpose, asked him, What is there to be done? Let us go to the garden, answered he. So each and every donned richest clothes and went forth, followed by three white slaves to the garden, which they found thick with thickets, and railing its rails. When they saw the keeper sitting at the gate, they saluted him with a solemn, and he returned their salute. Then the wazir gave him a hundred gold pieces, 
saying, Prithee, take this small sum and fetch us somewhat to eat, for we are strangers, and I have with me these two lads, whom I wish to divert. The gardener took the sequins and said to them, Enter and amuse yourself in the garden, for it is all yours, and sit down till I bring you what food you require. So he went to the market while the wazir and Taj al-Muluk and Aziz entered the garden. And shortly after leaving for the bazaar, the gardener returned with a roasted lamb and cotton white bread, which he placed before them, and they ate and drank. Thereupon he served up sweetmeats, and they ate of them, and washed their hands, and sat talking. Presently the wazir said to the garth-keeper, Tell me about this garden. Is it thine, or dost thou rent it? The sheikh replied, It does not belong to me, but to our king's daughter, the princess Dunya. What be thy monthly wages? asked the wazir, and he answered, One denier, and no more. Then the minister looked round about the garden, and, seeing in its midst a pavilion tall and grand but old and disused, said to the keeper, O elder, I am minded to do here a good work, by which thou shalt remember me, replied the other. O my lord, what is the good work thou wouldst do? Take these three hundred diners, rejoined the wazir, when the keeper had heard speak of the gold. He said, O my lord, what so thou wilt do? So the wazir gave him the monies, saying, Inshallah, we will make a good work in this place. Then they left him and returned to their lodging, where they passed the night, and when it was the next day, the minister sent for a plasterer and a painter and a skilful goldsmith, and furnishing them all the tools they wanted, carried them to the garden, where he bade them whitewash the walls of the pavilion and decorate it with various kinds of paintings. Moreover, he sent for golden lapis lazuli and said to the painter, Figure me on the wall, at the upper end of this hall, a man fowler with his nets spread and birds falling into them, and a female pigeon entangled in the meshes by her bill. And when the painter had finished the picture on the side, the wazir said, Figure me on the other side, a similar figure, and represent the she-pigeon alone in the snare, and the fowler seizing her and setting the knife to her neck, and draw on the third side wall a great raptor clutching the male pigeon, her mate, and digging talons into him, the artist did his bidding. And when he and the others had finished the designs, they received their hire and went away. Then the wazir and his companions took leave of the gardener, and returned to their place, where they sat down to converse, and Taj al-Muluk said to Aziz, O my brother, recite me some verses, perchance it may broaden my breast and dispel my dolors and quench the fire flaming in my heart. So Aziz chanted with sweet modulation these couplets. Whatever they say of grief to lovers came, I, weakling I, can single-handed claim, and seek thou watering spot my streaming eyes, for floods that thirst would quench however it flame. Or wouldst view what ruin love has wrought with ruthless hands, then see this wasted frame. And his eyes ran over with tears, and he repeated these couplets also. Who loves not swan neck and gazelle like eyes, yet claims to know life's joys, I say he lies. And love is mystery, none avail to learn, save he who loveth in pure loving wise. All in my heart ne'er lighten of this love, nor rob the wakefulness these eyelids prize. Then he changed the mode of song and sang these couplets. Ibn Sina, in his canon cloth opine, Lover's best cure is found in merry song, In meeting lover of a like degree. Desert and garden, wine draughts long and strong, I choose another who of thee might cure, While force and fortune aided well and long. But ah, I learnt love's mortal ill, Wherein 
Ibn Sina's recipe is fond and wrong. After hearing them to the end, Taj al-Muluk was pleased with his verses and wondered at his eloquence and the excellence of his recitation, saying, Indeed, thou hast done away with somewhat of my sorrow. Then quoth the wazir, Of a truth, there occurred to those of old what astoundeth those who hear it told. Quoth the prince, If thou canst recall aught of this kind, prithee let us hear thy subtle lines and keep up the talk. So the minister chanted in modulated song these couplets. Indeed I deem thy favours might be bought by gifts of golden things that joy the sprite, and ignorantly thought thee light of love. When can thy love lie low, the highest most might, until I saw thee choosing one, that one, loved with all favour, crowned with all delight? Then wot I thou, by slight, canst ne'er be won, and under wing my head I hid from sight, and in this nest of passion made my wone, wherein I nestle morning, noon, and night. So far concerning them, but as regards the old woman, she remained shut up from the world in her house, till it befell that the king's daughter was taken with a desire to divert herself in the garden. Now she had never been wont to do so, save in company with her nurse. Accordingly she sent for her, and made friends with her, and soothed her sorrow, saying, I wish to go forth to the garden that I may divert myself with the sight of its trees and fruits, and broaden my breast with the scent of its flowers, replied the old woman. I hear and obey, but first I would go to my house, and soon I will be with thee. The princess rejoined, Go home, but be not long absent from me. So the old woman left her, and, repairing to Taj al-Muluk, said to him, Get thee ready, and don thy richest dress, and go to the garden, and find out the gardener, and salute him, and then hide thyself therein. To hear is to obey, answered he, and she agreed with him upon a signal, after which she returned to the Lady Dunya. As soon as she was gone, the wazir Naziz rose, and robed Taj al-Muluk in a splendid suit of royal raiment worth five thousand dinars, and girt his middle with a girdle of gold set with gems and precious metals. Then they repaired to the garden, and found seated at the gate the keeper, who, as soon as he saw the prince, sprang to his feet and received him with all respect and reverence, and opening the gate said, Enter and take thy pleasure in looking at the garden. Now the gardener knew not that the king's daughter was to visit that place that day, but when Taj al-Muluk had been a little while there, he heard a hubbub, and ere he could think, out issued the eunuchs and damsels by the private wicket. The gardener, seeing this, came up to the prince, informed him of her approach, and said to him, O oh my lord, what is to be done? The princess Dunya, the king's daughter, is here. Replied the prince, Fear not, no harm shall befall thee, for I will hide me somewhere about the garden. So the keeper exhorted him to the utmost prudence, and went away. Presently the princess entered the garden with her damsels and with the old woman, who said to herself, If these eunuchs stay with us, we shall not attain our end. So quoth she to the king's daughter, O my lady, I have somewhat to tell thee, which shall ease thy heart. Quoth the princess, Say what thou hast to say. O my lady, rejoined the old woman, Thou hast no need of these eunuchs at a time like the present, nor wilt thou be able to divert thyself at thy knees. Whilst they are with us, so send them away. And the Lady Dunya replied, Thou speakest sooth. Accordingly she dismissed them, and presently began to walk about. Whilst Taj al-Muluk looked upon her, and fed his eyes on her beauty and loveliness. But she knew it not, and every time he gazed at her, he fainted by reason of her passing charms. The old woman drew her by converse till they reached the pavilion which the wazir had been decorated. When the princess entered and cast a glance round, and perceived the picture of the birds, the fowler, and the pigeon, whereupon she cried, Exalted be Allah! 
this is the very counterfeit presentment of what i saw in my dream she continued to gaze at the figures of the birds in the fowler with his net admiring the work and presently she said o oh, my nurse i have been wont to blame and hate men but look now at the fowler who hath slaughtered the she-bird who set free her mate who was minded to return to her and aid her to escape when the bird of prey met him and tore him to pieces now the old woman feigned ignorance to her and ceased not to occupy her in converse till they drew near the place where taj al-muluk lay hidden thereupon she signalled to him to come out and walk under the windows of the pavilion and as the lady dunya stood looking from the casement behold her glance fell that way and she saw him and nothing his beauty of face and form said to the old woman o my nurse whence cometh yonder handsome youth replied the old woman i know nothing of him save that i think he must be some great king's son for he attaineth comeliness and excess and extreme loveliness and the lady dunya fell in love with him to distraction the spells which bound her were loosed and her reason was overcome by his beauty and grace and his fine stature and proportions strongly excited her desire sexual so she said o oh my nurse this is indeed a handsome youth and the old woman replied thou sayest sooth my lady and signalled to taj al-muluk to go home and now desire and longing flamed in him and he was distraught for love yet he went away and took leave of the gardener and returned to his place obeying the old woman and not daring to cross her when he told the wazir and aziz that she had signalled him to depart they exhorted him to patience saying did not the ancient dame know that there was an object to be gained by thy departure she had not signalled thee to return home such was the case with taj al-muluk the wazir and aziz but as regards the king's daughter the lady dunya desire and passion redoubled upon her she was overcome with love and longing and said to her nurse i know not how i shall manage a meeting with this youth but through thee exclaimed the old woman i take refuge with allah from satan the stoned thou who art averse from men how come it then that thou art thus afflicted with hope and fear of this young man yet by allah none is worthy of thy youth but he quoth the lady dunya o my nurse further my cause and help me to forgather with him and thou shalt have of me a thousand dinars and a dress of honour worth as much more but if thou aid me not to come at him i am a dead woman in every sooth replied the ancient dame go thy palace and leave me to diverse means for bringing you twain together i will throw away my life to content you both so the lady dunya returned to her palace and the old woman betook herself to taj al-muluk who when he saw her rose to receive her and entreated her with respect and reverence making her sit by his side then she said the trick hath succeeded and told him all that had passed between herself and the princess he asked her when is our meeting to be and she answered to-morrow so he gave her a thousand dinars and a dress of like value and she took them and stinted not walking till she returned to her mistress who said to her o oh, my nurse what news of the beloved replied she i have learnt where he liveth and i will bring him to thee to-morrow at this the princess was glad and gave her a thousand dinars and a dress worth as much more and she took them and returned to her own place where she passed the night till morning then she went to taj al-muluk and dressing him in woman's clothes said to him follow me and sway from side to side as thou steppest and hasten not thy pace nor take heed of any who speaketh to thee and after thus charging him she went out and the prince followed her in woman's attire and she continued to charge and encourage him by the way that he might not be afraid nor ceased walking till they came to the palace gate she entered in the prince after her and she led him on passing through doors and vestibules till they had passed seven doors as they approached the seventh she said to him 
hearken thy heart, and when I call out to thee and say, O damsel, pass on, do not slacken thy pace, but advance as if about to run. When thou art in the vestibule, look to thy left, and thou wilt see a saloon with doors. Count five doors and enter the sixth, for therein is thy desire. Asked Taj al-Muluk, And whither wilt thou go? And she answered, Nowhere shall I go, except that perhaps I may drop behind thee, and the chief eunuch may detain me to chat with him. She walked on, and he behind her, till she reached the door where the chief eunuch was stationed, and he, seeing Taj al-Muluk with her dressed as a slave girl, said to the old woman, What business hath this girl with thee? replied she, This is a slave of whom the lady Dunya hath heard that she is skilled in different kinds of work, and she hath a mind to buy her, rejoined the eunuch. I know neither slave girls nor any one else, and none shall enter here without my searching according to the king's commands. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section four of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume three. Recording by Chelsea Baker.